Mikey, Pipey, what's up, buddy? Nothing much. What's up with you, brother? Not much, man. Just uh, another balls win. It wasn't beautiful. We definitely look like a team that hadn't practiced in a while. But uh, welcome to Ball Hall. We got a win today, baby. Hey, we got a win. Uh, it's not a feeling that us in Knoxville are accustomed to feeling, uh, given how this football season's gone. But hey, I'm glad basketball season's here, and I think most Tennessee fans are right there with me. 100%. Uh, feels nice. Started out the game pretty strong. Uh, I thought that team looked great man-to-man, but a switch up to zone totally showed that this team hadn't practiced much. What do you think about like when, they, when Colorado adjusted, it kind of stymied the balls, and there wasn't a lot of coming back, and the offensive raid that we had in the first – four or five minutes was totally gone. What'd you think after they switched over to zone? Uh, yeah. I mean, it seemed like it was kind of what you expected, I guess, from a team that hasn't had a lot of practice and that obviously has had some contact uh, tracing stuff going on the last few weeks with coach Barnes being out. Um, it looked like maybe they were prepared for, for man. And then when they switched to zone, it seemed like the team was just at a loss. So um, I, I feel like honestly, the outcome was about what I expected um from really start to finish but what did you mm-hmm. see from that Tennessee team whenever they went and faced zone well I definitely saw a team that hadn't worked on you know even like fine in the middle of the paint I didn't feel like they were very aggressive and I know Pons left everything short kind of early um and that just kind of led to a lack of confidence maybe in a jump shot making and it just kind of rolls over and you kind of saw Pons when he was in the middle of the paint he didn't attack Fulky missed his first little couple jumpers. And I, I never felt like there was a true promise of attack, even when we got it in the soft spots of the zone. Um, Victor Bailey cooled down a little bit, especially after they kind of switched over and, you know, he missed a shot. And then it's like, well, he's not going to go, you know, 15 for 15, which we all thought he may have in the first couple minutes. But he was uh, he was cooking. So we, we really – we didn't attack, I didn't feel like. And I don't feel like Tennessee – should be the team that's, you know, just sitting back, settling for open jumpers. There's too many guys. There's too many really good, talented guards. There should be a lot more attacks to the paint, little drop-offs, little handoffs. Didn't see enough of that, man. And I was very, very frustrated to watch um, what seemed like a very aggressive and fluid team in that first five to six minutes really fall off pace just from a little zone. Yeah. Do you think it's because they didn't – um, maybe have a go-to guy that they really felt confident beating the zone um, or penetrating the zone and then dishing out. Like to me, that seems like something that it would be nice to have somebody with a little bit more explosiveness than Viscovi that can maybe cause the zone to collapse in on itself and then kick it out to somebody for three. Um, or what do you feel like? Obviously you can beat it with ball movement. You can beat it with dribble penetration, but what do you think this Tennessee team needs to do in order to be better against the zone going forward? I don't know, man. I, I, I'm with you. I think there should have been more of a more of a dog mentality. You know, somebody's got to go attack, and I think we saw that with Keon for that that brief moment in the second half. Like that really seemed like that was the spark, and that was the the moment where you had somebody rolling even though it was defensively kind of picked up. But I'm with you. I never really felt like we had that guy. We never mm-hmm. had somebody that could just take over. I mean, do you even see some promise from anybody that you feel like that could, you know, step up into that role and be more of a it, – and, and it's a zone, so you're not going to take over ISO penetration, but somebody's going to be more in attack mode than maybe Viscovi is. Right. I mean, I don't know. I think you've got guys that seem like they have the explosiveness or the strength to do it. Um I don't, there's nobody that I can say, like just judging from today's performance that I think can take that next step. But I mean, I think Keon Johnson showed some flashes. Um, I'd like to see a little bit more of Josiah Jordan James and what he's able to put together. Um, I don't, I was hoping he would look like a totally different basketball player um, compared to who he was last year. I feel like he did look better, but I think he's still kind of, He's still the same guy in my estimation. And obviously it's game one, it's week one, um, but maybe wasn't quite of a massive step forward that we were all hoping for um, from the five-star guy, second-year player for Rick Barnes. Um, But 
Yeah, I don't know. Who do you think is going to be the guy that's going to develop into that go-to player for this Tennessee team? Because when you get in spots like this, like you almost have to have a guy that you want the ball to have or you want him to have the ball in his hands and go attack the basket and then create space and create um, shots for other people. Yeah, I don't know who that's going to be. I, I, it's honestly crazy enough. It probably should be somebody like Springer um, just with that with the ball handling and the attack, you know, the attack and his mobility, that should be somebody like that. But I don't really want to put that on a freshman just yet, especially with the lack of practice. That was the main thing I saw today was just there's no jail to this team. There was no real continuity. I felt like no, no ball movement in some aspects. And you could just see that they hadn't worked a lot together. A lot of guys have worked on individual skills, but you know, it just didn't seem like there was a whole lot of, team aspect that's frustrating very frustrating so hopefully hopefully that's somebody like josiah james that should be able to go in attack mode because he looked really good on that offensive rebound and he he's got some he's got a really good body i feel like he's really worked on his strength and his size this this offseason and you know obviously got to work on a jumper but it should be josiah i think in a lot of ways because of he's a monster mismatch for a lot of guards so we'll see yeah. how that comes down to it. Um, defensively, fantastic or just a product of this team being an okay Colorado team? Um, I think somewhere in the middle. I'm a professional fence sitter in a lot of ways. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I just – I think it was a good performance from the team, and I think we should be optimistic. I think – Coming into this game, I expected this team to be great defensively with the depth that they have, with the athleticism that they have. And then Rick Barnes just seems like his teams are always in incredible shape um, to where they can go the full 40, or if it goes into overtime, they can go the you know the entire length of the game and play good defense. And so mm-hmm. I was encouraged to see that that's a, a characteristic of his teams that also translated to this season thus far. Obviously, we're one week or one game in. Um, but, yeah, I think – a little bit of a byproduct of us having a good defense performance. I think the Colorado is a decent team. It wasn't a team that I looked at and thought, wow, like this team's a really good team that we're just really, really playing well against. But I thought they looked like they had some decent pieces and looks like they'll be a maybe a, I don't know, middle of the pack in their conference. What mm-hmm. did you see out there? Uh, I thought the same thing. I thought they were kind of middle of the road. I, I did see a good test for these guards tonight because we started out – with Victor Bailey on right. And McKinley Wright's a good player. This guy's going to get be a guy that's going to get a plenty of 20-point nights. Already had a couple um, in the first two games. They had two games postponed. So you're going to see a guy that can really get buckets and a guy that's, you know, pretty strong for a six-foot guard. I mean, he's always hovering around like the, you know, 12 to 14 range in points uh, for his first three years, plus, you know, about five rebounds a game. So he's an attacking guard. I thought they did a really good job on him tonight, and that was a an all around defensive mindset for these for Bailey. Uh, Pons had a couple turns on him. Um, Josiah James, like it, that's that's the best part about this defensive switchability that Tennessee has. Really, one through five. Uh, Anasiki showed some tough times too, so it's a tough, like real strong, good tough moments, like uh, you know struggles, but. Mainly, I, I do see that this team had a really good test tonight. Um, they had uh, a big forward that can move, really move his feet. They had a couple seniors on their team. So you're facing tougher guys for some of our younger cats or some of our new guys that really showed some some promise. The fact that, you know, you're holding a team that, you know, can get some points under 50. And, yeah, it was just an ugly game, and I thought the flow was pretty bad. We'll say even – Everybody said it, but I saw Austin Stanley from A to Z talk, send out a tweet tonight. And he was like, I forgot how much I hated refs, college basketball refs tonight, because it's so frustrating to watch sometimes. There are some tough calls. <laughs> and I get that, that's an awful job. Like being any sort of official may be the worst job in the country because you'd never get anything good thrown your way and it's all bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a thankless job for sure. I mean, I don't know. It's it's one of those things, too. I just listened to this podcast called Whistleblower. Uh, it's about uh, Tim Donahue and the NBA scandal. Oh, and, yeah. Man, that's 
I don't know if collegiate refereeing is anything like that or if there's any sense of, I don't know, but there's some shady business going on uh, in the NBA and it's, it doesn't make give you at least the best feeling or interpretation of what the referee's motives are for each and every game. Um, more, maybe more so in the NBA because of all the money that's at stake, but yeah. Um, yeah. I just, yeah, I don't know. Not a great, not a great night for watching college basketball and watching referees make the games about themselves. Which, what's new there? I don't know. It's it is frustrating because I know there were some tough calls and that that kills momentum. And there were some slowdown moments where you're kind of hoping they'd pick it up. And but you know things happened. How do you feel about this team going forward? Because I know Cincinnati's going to be a little bit tougher than that Colorado team. Um, Maybe to agree offensively, I think they're going to be able to score a little bit more. Colorado's been hanging around the low 60s too. But Cincinnati obviously had success in the last four or five years. Don't know quite what their regiment – I know they lost two seniors last year, the two of their leading scorers, but they still bring back a solid team, and they are Cincinnati. Going forward, how worried are we? Because I know like our December schedule is not brutal – so how worried are you? How how are you feeling going forward? Do you think these next couple games are just going to be needed or do you think we're going to start blowing some kids out? Um, You know, I think it'll be good. I think Cincinnati, it really is almost stair-stepping a little bit. Like, I think Cincinnati will be a little bit tougher test for this team than Colorado was. So I'm excited that we were able to have a 2-0 Colorado team that beat Kansas State pretty handily um, mm-hmm. earlier this season. And so – you know, I think it was an okay test, but I don't think that it was what we can expect from the likes of, of well, I was going to say Kentucky, but obviously they're off to a terrible start. But some of the tougher teams on our competition uh, or some of yeah. the top, tougher teams on our schedule. So I don't know. I think it's working out where well where we're going to be continually prepared at a higher and higher level throughout the course of the schedule as it progresses. Um, but, yeah. again, I don't know exactly what to expect from the teams that we're going up against, whether it's Cincinnati or um, whoever else down the line, but I do feel like, like you said, Cincinnati will present a bigger threat offensively, um, and probably a better test for this team overall as well. Yeah, and uh, look down at old Blazy comment, uh, meh, Xavier beat him, easy W. So, you know, I, I, I kind of agree with that. I think that that might be one of our tougher tests, but it's also somebody I feel like we'll match up well against. But I don't know, we'll see how that one goes because I. I down the road, you know, you got App State, um, Xavier, Cincy. Uh, who else are we missing? Who else? We, who else we have in December? Who am I thinking about? Got one more. There's some. There's some tough, tough little games, but nothing. There's until you get to Kansas, and that Kansas game there early on in the first of the year is going to be that monster test. And knock on wood, I hope we get there because we're, ah, uh, you know, this freaking COVID, <laughs> this COVID freaking run just killing us all. Um, Saw that, um, you know, first full game back. I think everybody was pleased. Uh, did you do any betting tonight? Man, um, yeah, I just – I don't know. I, I don't really know what to take away from the game. You know, I think the the thing for me that I was encouraged by was I saw Eve Pons had, like, double-digit rebounds. Um, and so that was obviously really encouraging. I think obviously he shot one from nine from the field, so that wasn't great. We'd like to see that improve. But as far as takeaways from the game, I mean, um, yeah, I I think it's about what I expected from this team, like good in spurts, bad in spurts. Um, mm-hmm. But I think overall a lot of promise, and I think the depth is as good as we thought it would be coming into this game. Yeah. I saw a trade down here, put some money on the vault. should have put some money on the vault tonight, but uh, I know the, the spread was six and a half. And some of my boys were sweating it out. A lot, a lot of you know, got the couple of the memes and the and the gifts tonight with the defense chance coming up towards the end. No threes, no threes, baby. You know, I have to hold them off that six and a half point spread. So balls covered first game. So hopefully people made their money. Big, big, uh, big win for the, all the sports betters out there. Um, I don't know. If we're going to be hanging around the 50s much, I just hope this team finds it offensively. Because I really thought early on defensively, I was like, holy crap, this might be one of the best teams that he's had, you know, defending the paint in, in different ways. Anasiki showed me a lot on the backside rebounds and stuff tonight. 
I really, really love what this thing this team's gonna do defensively. And I think these next this next month is prime time for them to figure out some stuff because tonight, how do you feel about this? Tonight was winning off of one pure talent, two defensive effort. And I think that was really it because you could definitely tell that they hadn't worked on much scheming as far as offensively and people didn't really know where everybody was going to be and how it worked out. So how do you feel? Is it all, do you think it was just all talent and a lot of effort tonight? And that's just kind of how it worked out. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of how it read to me. Um, yeah. I mean, we just looked to me like a, a very much more talented team across the board. Um, mm-hmm. And that was, I think one of the reasons I felt like, yeah, whenever we were making the assessment of whether we really played good defense and that was what held them to a lower standard. Was it just not that good of a Colorado team? Uh, to me, you could just see a clear talent dis- uh, disparity on the court. And um, yeah, I think, I think ultimately that, and like you said, defense, is what won us the game because at times we had a hard time finding the basket. It seemed like we were stuck at 33 for, I don't know, like five minutes. Um, but we just, we kind of scored in spurts. We had that rough patch in the first half as well. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I think overall though, the defensive performance helped carry this team along with obviously their talent. So, yeah, I, I just didn't see a whole lot of offense that really needs to get worked out because there's, We've, we talked about on the pod multiple times that there's going to be a problem with people getting their own time. And I, one thing we probably hadn't touched on enough is people getting their their shots and how, how everybody's role is going to really work out because there's a lot of talent on this team. And Eves Ponds was somebody that was used to scoring 10 points last year. And now he's just going to have to like pretty much make every shot he gets to get that 10. That's not somebody you really want in the offensive game. I think that, you know, tonight some not he actually could have worked out much better inside that middle of the zone and really scored, you know, gotten a couple buckets, but didn't really take advantage. So I don't know. I I think that there's just a lot of work that needs to be done offensively, but that defense, man, it's gonna carry this team through a lot of these games in December, but hopefully they can figure it out in the next month. Uh, going into Kansas. Um, as Blazy said, you know, it's a lot like Coach Carter. We just worked on defense. Uh, there's probably going to be uh, a lot of lady. What's the? It was all of his sisters, right? That was in Coach Carter that he named the plays after. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So Rick Barnes, if he has like eight sisters, and that's how he's going to name these new offensive plays on it, man. But I don't know. Um, good to see basketball back, man. Uh, I was very pleased overall defensively, but there's some kinks that are going to have to get worked out. For sure. For sure. I think, I mean, as far as first games go, you got the dub. Mm-hmm. That's really all you really care about in my mind. I mean, obviously we saw some things that I think gave us room for optimism. You saw some things that you're like, man, we really got to work on those. Um, but overall you got the win, you got out of there and Hey, live to tell the tell another day. So um I think overall we should be optimistic with what happened today and given the circumstances with Coach Barnes and him being out of practice, it's been kind of a weird offseason with the games being canceled leading up to today. So I was just happy to get to see Tennessee basketball and us come out with a win. Yeah, me too. Me too. Do you see us losing any of these games in December? Man, um, I mean, I think Cincinnati's probably the, I don't know, their toughest competition, I would say. You know, it's hard to imagine them losing to, I think, what, Appalachian State's up on the schedule next. Um, Then Texas Tech, USC Upstate. Yeah. Missouri. I don't know. I actually watched a little bit of Missouri. Um, I guess it was a night or two ago. It wasn't too long ago. But um, they looked like they were a decent team. But, um, yeah, honestly, I think we we should go undefeated for that schedule. But – you never really know. I mean, with how poorly Kentucky's played to open the season, it makes you wonder if we'll see a lot of varied outcomes because of how little practice and how weird the season's been. Kind of like football. I mean, I feel like you've seen some games that have gone differently than you would have expected just because practice hasn't been as consistent and as um, predictable. And, I mean, heck, even our, the time that we've had to have on the court when we expected to play, what, three games before this game or at least mm-hmm. two. 
Yeah. So, um, yeah, I I think we'll get out of December without losing, but it wouldn't shock me if we slipped up and lost to one of these schools that we shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. Question. After what you saw tonight, are you kind of glad the first game out was was not against Gonzaga? Oh, my gosh. Man, if we play like that against Gonzaga, it's probably ugly. And they've got a lot of returning talent. I would imagine they're going to be in better order and better shape than we would be in just because the fact that they're not maybe incorporating as many new pieces as we are. Um, yeah. So I I don't think we would have won against Gonzaga if we would have played like that. Granted, no. you probably come out with a little more energy against Gonzaga than you do against True. Colorado. But I, I'm glad ultimately that that wasn't our first game because I don't think it would have been a win. So No, that would have been uh, – um, from what I've seen from Gonzaga – that would have that could have been a beatdown because uh, they can they can really put up some points and they have come together and they played I think they're on their fourth game or something like that so that was sweet of you Blazy lost by thirty points is what he, the man's calling out for so <laughs> yeah I, I hope I don't know if it would have been a thirty point blowout but I would not have been surprised if it had been the the high teens low twenties yeah Zaga can. They can really fill it up, and they can also play some defense. They've got they've got three guys that could wind up on some, you know, first team All American, second team All American type teams. So nervous. I'm glad. I, after what I saw tonight, I'm kind of glad that we wound up only playing, uh, you know, against Colorado and a maybe an okay team that'll finish mid of the pack pack twelve. So yeah. I'm okay with that. Get a a first little test, a test that. You're going to see a lot of these teams where they have one main guy, a couple decent players, but overall you're more talented than top to bottom. And those are the teams you got to beat. Those are the, the games that you're supposed to win, but you're also going to have a little challenge. And I think this is a really good game one test. So yeah. pleased to get out with the W. Pleased to get out of the W. So that's all you can ask for. Amen. Um, Amen. So – Gotta gotta talk about it today. We had a little quarterback stuff come about. Speaking of football, the tables have turned, sir. Mr. Pruitt has finally announced that he's gonna go with Bailey and Shrout from here on. How you feeling, Pipe? Man, um I wanna say relieve, but it's one of those things it's like it's just so late. Like it's I'm glad that it's happening. Yeah. I'm I'm glad that we're taking that step, but it's something you would have liked to have seen maybe at week four or week five rather than <laughs> yeah. week eight or week nine. So um I think it was just the right move. It makes the most sense. You were basically done with Jared Garantano. I mean, I know he could have come back for his sixth season or twelfth season, whatever it was, but I, I just to me it made so much sense to just move on, cut ties. You've got Bailey in the program; he could be here for the next. I mean, he could be here for another four years. You know, yeah. Um, I think if he has success like we hope he has, and and maybe even expect him to have, then he's you know hopefully ends up going pro and won't need that fourth or fifth year. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it just seems like it makes sense to invest in a guy that's actually got a future at the University of Tennessee versus the guy who's on his way out the door. And clearly, still was struggling with so many aspects of the position. It was just like, I don't, yeah, I don't really understand. I know we kind of talked about it, but man, I mean, just honestly, it was nauseating, and exhausting experience just watching him continue to roll out JG, continue to roll out JG, and yeah. really lost my interest as a fan. Like I got to the point where I barely even wanted to watch the games because I knew what I was getting, you know. So yeah, at least it's got my attention back and I'm, I'm engaged and I'm ready to hopefully see us take some steps forward. Even if it's maybe a few steps backwards for this season, you know, I think getting a guy like Bailey or shroud, getting them some game reps in. I mean, I think that'll be valuable to them moving forward. What are, what are yeah. your thoughts? Uh, very happy to see. I think in a lot of ways, you know, as much as Pruitt has even, you know, Subtweeted fans basically in press conferences, if you want to put it that way, about you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not here for the fans, I'm here to coach football. You know, he keeps saying JG was the best person to give him a chance to win. I think now he's got to listen to fans, and 
honestly, it's it may save his job. And speaking of that, I, I do like Trey's question. I was kind of kind of lead into that. So perfect example. Should Pruitt be fired if he loses against Vandy, even with COVID, even with finally changing over the quarterback regime? What do you think? Because I've got man. my opinion, I, I, so I, I don't know how you feel about it. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you, man. If we lose to Vandy after they just fired Derek Mason, after several other players have already opted out, like after the fiasco that they've had in Nashville, which if you follow Clay, Clay Travis, like he's talked about maybe members of their team walking out because of the whole – issue with Sarah Fuller, obviously a cool moment in, in sports. If you're a woman to get to see a lady, you know, play collegiate football at a high level and go out there and, and, you know, kick the ball off. But it was to some degree, it was a publicity stunt by the university and by, um, by the head coach, Derek Mason, because they had their kicker from last year that they could have called that was still eligible. He was enrolled in grad school and he could have come out and kicked they had other people that were more than capable to step up and fill in that position, but they chose Sarah Fuller, which again, I mean, I think she's obviously a tremendous athlete. She is an amazing goalkeeper in the SEC oh, yeah. and you know, no, nothing to take away from her, but I think it's just, obviously there's a lot going on in Vanderbilt right now is really what I'm trying to say. And so if you go in and you lose to a less talented Vanderbilt team, for me, yeah. I mean, I don't care how much practice you've had. He should be out. So um, that's just – that's my personal thoughts on the matter. But I would say, yeah, he's done. Yeah, same here. I think pretty much everybody here kind of agrees. And I almost felt like the Kentucky loss at home by that much and how ugly it was was almost inexcusable. But then you're like, well, you know. It's only year three. You, you, we, as as Vol fans, we know how to talk ourselves back into terrible, irrational confidence things. And you're like, well, if we keep him, you know, we've got another year. We'll figure it out. We've got this Harrison Bailey guy. Any sort of rationale, it's amazing how we kind of put that in our minds. But if you lose to Vanderbilt, I mean, Vanderbilt's team is – this is the least talented team I've seen in a long time. I mean, it's it's a bad team. It's a yeah. very, very bad team. And like you said, they've got some stuff going on there that's not even just the talent. It's just the situation around it. It's just not a winning program. Yeah, they had some years with Franklin. You're like, oh, crap, they're going to turn this thing around. But, man, he's he just he can't. And I, and I don't know if – I think from now, I don't think you're going to get fired right afterwards. Um if he loses, I do think that's a situation he'll just wait till the end of the year, take his butt whooping against AM, and then probably call that a firing. But until then, man, if you lose to Vanderbilt, it's, it's inexcusable. Um, we'll roll on. Trey, Trey's got another good question. I, I mean, if you survive Vandy, let's say it's close. We'll say squeak out a W. You know, less than less than five, less than mm. five point game. Squeak got a win over Vandy and then get housed by AM. I'm, I mean, these are realistic scenarios. You can be a, you can call it negative ball, whatever you want to be, but these are realistic scenarios. We're, we're losing by an average of 20 points this season, 19.5. But if that's the scenario where you get you barely squeak by Vandy, but then get housed by a really, really good AM team, do you still think he sticks around? I think at this point, yes. Um, I mean, it it would depend on how ugly the win was and how ugly the loss was. You know, I, I think five point win could look a few different ways. You know, if it's, a, if it's a, I don't know, 12 to seven judge fest where we didn't score a touchdown, <laughs> just look terrible. Snooze then, fest of the game. <laughs> and then you go in and you get housed by AM. Um, then, you know, I don't really think that that's going to end well for Jeremy Pruitt. But if you win, and let's say it's kind of a shootout and Vanderbilt ends up scoring more than you thought, but Harrison Bailey has four touchdown passes, and then I think irregardless of how the AM game goes, like I think people will at least be like, I don't want to – I'm trying to think of the right word. It not Maybe not satisfied, but at the very least kind of like, well, at least it was entertaining. You know, it's like it's one thing to be bad. It's another thing to be boring. And I feel like that's kind of where the team has been for this season. It's been bad and boring. 
and that just makes for like literally horrible football to watch. Um, so I think he could be on his way out. I think because of the fact that he signed that buyout, I think he's probably not unless we lose to Vanderbilt or unless it's just a heinous win that we see. Um, but yeah, I think if it's, if I'm making the call because of the extension that we just gave him, because of the fact that it's a weird year with COVID, I'm going to give him one more year. If he beats Vanderbilt, if he doesn't beat Vanderbilt, then, you know, I'm out hundred percent. I, I think he hangs on if, you know, I'm with you. I think he kind of hangs on if, if he stays, but I don't, I don't know how the fan base is going to hold on. I don't know how they, how they're going to feel about staying with a coach. That's probably going to have an average loss of close to 20. Um, so we'll see. I need to shave that down, get the, you know, make it a little bit better. I guess if you're going to have that, but Speaking of shaving it down, <laughs> man, let me talk to you about Manscaped. Hey. Sponsor of this show, sponsor of all Chat 10 Sports Podcast. I mean, we're talking about primetime technology here, man. Absolute. <laughs> wonderful. You know. It's the truth. We're talking ceramic blade, high technology. Tell them a little bit more about it, Mike Pipe. Well, let me tell you what, man. I've personally been gifted, courtesy of Manscaped, their newest lawnmower 3.0. Um, it's waterproof, so you can take it in the shower with you. Uh, you can, you know, it's got a light on there, so if it's kind of dark or if you don't have light in your shower, no need to worry, no need to fret. Um, but, but for real, I mean, it's a really nice product. It's got like a 90-minute life, so I haven't even had to charge it yet. I've had it for a month now. Um, but yeah, great product. Highly recommend makes whatever you need to trim, makes it very easy, very nice. Don't have to worry about tugs, cuts, anything like that. So, um, yeah, great product, And I think it would make a great gift for your loved ones. So if you're feeling yeah, it, man. if you're digging it, you're like, Hey, I want my man to be well-groomed. Then get on uh, manscape.com. That code is WTV two zero. Um, so check it out. We would, Love it if you went and supported uh, this company that supported us, and uh, I really feel like their product is top notch. So, fantastic! Again, you can use promo code WTV twenty or on the graphic CTS twenty, and it's all the same. You get twenty percent off plus free shipping. Manscape.com. They've treated us well. Wonderful company. So shout out to them. Back to you know. Not not naked and cutting, but I know that there's going to be some tough times ahead, and I just don't know how well of an off season it's going to go for Tennessee because you know we've seen a couple of recruits drop off. Now that happens everywhere, but it right. sounds like sounds like we're going to keep Caden this week. It's going to happen. What do you say, December sixteenth? I think's the set date. So yes. as long as that goes, then you're going to feel very very solid about the future going forward because at least you know you have somebody that's going to come in with some wow factor. Yeah. Um, along with Harrison Bailey, who we still think can be very good. I mean, he didn't show – he didn't have a wonderful game, but he looked competent, right? Yeah. No, I mean, I, I thought he looked solid, uh, especially for, you know, his first start coming against Florida. I know that's not a great Florida defense, but um, yeah. overall there was definitely, especially in the first half, a lot of room for optimism. Um, and I think with Caden Salter, he's a guy that's got a ton of upside. I just don't see him being a guy that's extremely polished and ready to go from day one. So no. I really think you're going to need Bailey to step in there and have a good year or two. And then maybe Caden can take it over after a red shirt year, um, like a red shirt freshman or a sophomore year. So we'll see. Uh, I really like Caden Salter as a prospect. I've watched a lot of film on him. He's an electric guy, really great athlete, um, pretty good arm strength. He's got a very quick release. So I think there's a lot of things that can translate well to the college game. I uh, just, to me, he looks like he's a little bit raw um, and more of just like an athlete and less of like a polished quarterback. Yeah. I mean, literally Harrison Bailey is the total opposite in the spectrum in my mind. I mean, not even total. He's not like a terrible athlete, but he's a guy that has been in a quarterback training academy since he was like, 
13, 14 years old. So he mm-hmm. knows, you know, he's as polished as they come coming out of uh, high school, but you know, maybe doesn't have that, uh, that elite uh, upside that Caden Salter has. So, yeah, true. Especially, especially in the games played nowadays, you got to be able to move almost to an elite level and you're seeing that more and more. And like you said, Bailey's actually a really good athlete, but you know, Salter's just a little bit better. That's okay. So I'm with you. I think that we getting Caden is going to wind up translating to something that's going to be a long-term investment, if you will, because you're going to have somebody that can really play for these next two to three years and then roll in somebody else that's going to be more polished, ready to go um, in his later or latter years. So it's it's building some building some trust, at least by a thread that you have left with this with this fan base, I think. And hopefully you have some other guys that stay put. It sounds like there's some other guys that are backing the balls that are staying put. You're keeping some recruits and you know. You also got some people that are going to be staying because of the, the eligibility rules for this COVID year. So yeah. at least you're going to have some more continuity. And I'll use that word like 15 times, but like, like you're going to have some more guys that, you know, buy in, trust each other, another year of growing together. And I know that's simple stuff. And I know it sounds cliche, but it really does help. It's like, you know, the more you trust somebody for another year, and the more you kind of gel and figure out. All right, he moves here, he moves there. What do I got to cover for that guy? How does he like to do certain things? It helps, and you know you're also building talent. You're another year older. You're another year stronger. So I, I'm kind of with you, Trey. I, can they take the same pieces and do anything? I think so. These are these are these are high quality recruits. This is Pruitt's third year. These guys are these guys were big time recruits, and I do think there's at least some promise. Don't you think, Pike? Yeah, I mean, I think I I don't think we're where we need to be. To be honest, I think that the talent isn't where it needs to be. Um, I would say that you definitely will see a big step forward, in my opinion, because I think that what we've seen from this team isn't a good indication of where the team is at from a talent standpoint. But even still, I think that this team is still very clearly lagging behind the teams that we desperately want to compete with, whether it's mm-hmm. Alabama or. Georgia or even Florida. Um, so I think you would see, let's say a lot of this team returns and we get this new class in and let's say he keeps most of the big time pieces. I think you'll see a team that is strong and is better um, and maybe achieves at a higher level, certainly than this team has. But I think you're still going to be looking at a ceiling of like eight and four, nine and three at the very best. Um unless you know something drastic happens in the offseason like let's say we go out and we find our own joe brady a guy that's going to be an innovator for the offense and it's going to help us put some points just like that yeah (laughs) or maybe we go out and we find our own joe burrow you know i don't know but um that's the type of thing in my estimation that would have to happen for this tennessee team to for its ceiling to pass eight wins or nine wins because I think you would – I mean, guys like Daryl Middleton that showed flashes last season have said they're coming yeah. back. And and so you've got some big-time pieces that could be coming back another year in the strength and conditioning program. It could be beneficial. Um, and I really think that Jeremy Pruitt seems to be a guy that benefits from preparation. I think that's part of the reason why we do so well in the first half of games as opposed to the second half of games. It seems like he's not as good at making adjustments. Um, so I think – Missing out on the practice seems like it's hurt our team more than it's hurt most programs, and I think it's because Jeremy Pruitt's just such a details guy, preparation guy, not so yep. much an adjustments guy. So he's going to need to surround himself with some people in the offseason that are going to help him make those in-game adjustments because our second half this season has been horrible. And if you look at the first half, we've been in some ball games with Georgia, with Florida, um, and so I, I think that there's a few things that would need to happen if Jeremy Pruitt's going to stay at the helm. I don't think that it's as dumpster fire as it seems right now, but I do think that we are lagging behind the Georgias and the Floridas and the Alabamas. 100%. And that's, that's going to come with the territory. It's a product of losing, but also I know our fan base and I know I, I'm, I'm even a believer that it's not worth. Tennessee is a program as in a national promise 
is really not that far behind because you know a lot of those teams benefited from a product of winning and winning winning recently. You know, obviously Oklahoma, Alabama, those teams have won for a long time and will continue to do so. But there's other schools that where it's like, okay, there's some promise, but mostly it's become from winning. And then also the state of Georgia really turning into Texas 2.0 as far as recruiting goes. So just, it's tough. There's a long ways to go. So I, I do think that, you know, there's hope, but I, I just – it gets you so frustrated because you see these top five, top ten recruiting classes, and we just don't continue to produce. And I, I do hope that Pruitt does figure out, you know, a way to be a better – because he is a preparation guy. But there's some of these guys I don't feel like that are always prepared to play at game time. And that's, yeah. what, that's what's crazy is – Halftime adjustments. My God, we're the – I mean, I think we are actually the worst third-quarter team in the nation. And I don't know if it's even close. <laughs> so, it seem like it's, it would. Uh, it's exhausting to watch. Exhausting. Yeah. So, hopefully, just hopefully, there's going to be some some work in progress over an offseason because there's, gonna have, there's probably going to be some coaching changes. There's probably going to be some weird, weird adjustments made, some guys – going to lead the team that you may not suspect there's gonna be a lot of guys that want to stay because heck you know why would you want your last year to be on a Tennessee team that you get into play in front of what 20,000 25,000 total you don't want that to be your last year here you don't want to miss that moment no running through the tee you know no oh that's so sad I remember thinking about that um Trey Wynn's question here if this is Pruitt's last year, what would be the case? How long is this leash on in 2021? I mean, I don't know. I, you can't start out 0 and, 0 and or 1 and 2. I don't think you can start. You definitely can't start out 0 and 3. I mean, honestly, he's those first four or five games are going to be very crucial for him in 2021, in my yeah. personal opinion. What are you thinking? I think it'll be a situation that's kind of similar to Will Muschamp. You know, um, I think Will Muschamp was a guy that seemed like he was on the hot seat for half of his tenure, if not more than half of his tenure at South Carolina. Um, yeah. I feel like it's kind of where Pruitt's at. He's on the hot seat. seems like he's kind of holding on by the skin of his teeth. Um, and I think if he has a bad season next year, he'll be on the chopping block midseason, just like Will Muschamp was for this year. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see, but that would be my opinion, just based on how things have looked and how the fan base is ready to see him go. And I, I'm not really disagreeing with them at this point, but I guess I'm kind of just like, we've already sunk a lot of money into him. Yeah. Let's let it play out another, I don't know, six months, eight months, see what happens. Maybe it is just a weird COVID thing. You don't lose $12 million. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, here we go. The Matthew Blaze, Keelan, bring me freeze. I mean, the Hugh thing's very interesting because I don't. I want, I would love to know how much of it is possible. What people that are much smarter than us really think. I, I don't know if it's an actual possibility or if it's just something the fans have stirred and hung on to. I mean, what do you think? Do you think it's like this huge thing like actually going on in the front office? Like, hey, we're making this happen. Like, I really want this guy if he comes. Man, um, I don't – it's hard to imagine us being, like, all about it, especially from an administrative standpoint, just because of the things that went on at Ole Miss that were less than savory. So, I don't know. Um, I would – certainly it would be a more exciting brand of football than what we're seeing today. And, you know, even Nick Saban himself kind of said the days of winning with defensive football in the SEC are kind of over. Um, That's not to say that you don't need a good defense, but that's just to say that the way that offenses have progressed, you're not really going to be holding teams to six point performances or 10 point performances. You're going to have to put points on the board. Um, So, 
I would honestly be happy with a Hugh Freeze hire. I think he's a better head coach than what we've seen from Jeremy Pruitt up to this point. Um, I would have questions and would want to, if I was on the hiring committee or whatever, I would want to look into the kind of things that happened at Ole Miss. And I know that he says he's, you know, a Christian, different person now. And, um, but I guess I would want to have more conversations with him and, and really do some thorough and exhaustive, um, research into, you know, is this guy, is, is he going to bring the program down? Is he going to incur violations? I know some of us are at the point where it's like, I don't care, just win, baby, you know, but I don't know that that's the mindset you want to have on a guy that is probably a winner. But to me, there's no concrete proof that, yeah, he's going to win at the University of Tennessee. So I would personally be just, maybe not just as happy, but almost as happy with the Coastal Carolina guy who's got ETSU ties. Um, I, mean, I don't know. We'll see. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that I don't know. What are your thoughts on Hugh Freeze? You think he's the guy? I think part of me wants him to be. I think that he is somebody that's got that that it factor in a lot of ways. He wins. And I know I saw some comments today about Hugh Freeze that he only won because he cheated. Well, did he did he cheat at Arkansas State? Did he cheat in a lot of these other places when everybody else had scandals and everybody else has recruiting, you know, scoffs with different places? But I really do feel like he – He's got something about it, and and I, that's the offensive factor is special. Like he he's going to bring in points, and honestly, I I heard a lot more about Liberty this week. That is a tough place. Like you have to bring in some special type guys uh, because you know there's a lot of very strict provisions when you come in as a student and you're a coach or you're somebody that works for Liberty. They're very regimented on the the religious aspect, and for some players that that turns them off, even if they are people of faith. And it's tough to go up there and bring in recruits, but you know they. I'm sure, like everywhere else, there are some look the other way moments for certain. You know, for athletes, because you know you're bringing them in to play football, they bring you money. There are human aspects to that side, but I do think I can see where Hughes probably, you know, turned himself around as a man of faith and done a lot of things to really help himself because the guy really wants to get back in the SEC too. I think there's going to be quite a few jobs that are going to be offering the money and that's going to open up th- either this season or next. So we'll see how that goes. I do think that he's a he's a guy. Uh, like you said, if you can wind up getting Coastal Carolina head coach or Joe Brady doesn't want to be a coordinator in the NFL. He wants to be a head coach in the SEC. Come on down. Yeah. So, because I, I know that's a rumor, but he'll he'll get NFL head coaching jobs. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, I know Hugh Freeze would be somebody that wants this job. He does want some Tennessee ties to come back with him. You know, obviously, I think didn't he propose to his wife in Neyland Stadium? That's what I read. I tried to verify that because I was like, I don't know if that's true, but uh, yeah, apparently he proposed to his wife in Neyland Stadium is the rumor. Well, dang. So he wants to come on back home. So I don't know. I, I don't think Pruitt's getting fired. I think I think Fulmer's going to be somebody that's going to stick to his guns a little bit and have faith and give this year a pass. I think Fulmer has a lot of, a lot of empathy, and I think that he wants to give somebody like Pruitt another shot and understands the time aspect. I, I want to ask this question because I, I saw this today and I didn't know if you might know an answer. I, I, I personally don't. If anybody out there is watching, it would be great if you know of somebody. But the, stip, the stipulations were – I think this was from G-Man Vol. Stipulations. Who need a coach that's, head coach that started his career after 2000 – has played or has coached at least three seasons as a head coach in a Power Five conference, and has turned has had or I guess had losing seasons in his first three seasons, and has turned it around after that. I couldn't huh. really think of anything anybody. In his Maybe first besides seasons with the 
three different programs, I guess, or no, no, he is. It's kind of like a stability question of like keeping Pruitt in the same aspect of, you know, Pruitt didn't really start coaching until after oh. the 2000s in the 2000s. Okay. Kept the same job, but had three losing seasons in his first season. I, I don't know. I the only one I I remember that I could think of maybe Cutcliffe at Duke. Hey, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's tough. I I don't know how you slice it, but the numbers don't look good. You know, it's like if you it look at be, the can't be good. Yeah. Unique circumstances, though. I mean, we've never had a COVID year, so maybe, maybe this year looks a little different if we're able to practice. I don't know. I, I'm not really super inclined to believe that, but yeah, I would say if I had to pick a number, <laughs> it'd be less than five. Uh, yeah, coach. yeah, yeah. And he was asking like in a serious manner because I, I don't think he understood. He knew either, and that's why I was like, I, I can't think of anything. I, I saw Cutcliffe was about the only person in any comment that I saw, and I was like, I don't know. I, I, that's a that's a tough one to come around come around from, especially when your third season's your worst, might be your well, I guess your second worst season. I don't even know if you want to classify this one or that that first one as the worst. In personal opinion, I think this year's worst just from a standpoint of how much talent you have. So. I don't know, man. It's going to be tough to rally back from. I don't mean to kind of harp on the guy because I do know he, he, he's at least trying. But, yeah. dang, dude, it's tough. It is tough. Yeah. Well, Any closing thoughts? I feel like we need a little positivity to end the show. Um, so, hey, UT basketball is back. John Fulkerson's back as beautiful as ever. Um if I was on keto, I'd probably be going to Pals this weekend uh, just yes. to celebrate with the Pals burger. But uh, maybe I'll get that. I don't know if they've got it with lettuce instead of a bun. Who knows? Maybe that's fair game. I'd have to look into it, do some research. But Tennessee Vols are back, baby. Vols are back. Basketballs are back. Saturday, noon 30, against Cincinnati. They'll be back at it again. We'll be back uh, next week with the Welcome to Vol Hall podcast. So like, subscribe, go sign up for all of us. We're everywhere, Spotify, iTunes, Apple, wherever you listen. We're there, baby. Got our whole podcast network, Trey and I, and our boy uh, COVID Blake. Uh, we do Tighten Up Talk, and Predge Report's coming out with some new guys, hitting dingers. Those boys are great. So just yeah. always – like, subscribe, follow on whatever platform you listen to. And as always, Mike, bye. welcome to Valhalla, baby. Well.